five, and uh, thankful to be in church again this morning. It's a blessing to be in church. It's just going to be saved, amen? amen. It's going to have a purpose in life, and uh, I'll say this much. I'd rather have someone come to church and struggle with staying awake than stay at home and not open their Bible at all. Uh, so regardless of what kind of week you had, can I just say this? Uh, you're in church this morning, so you might as well enjoy it, amen? All right, John chapter 5, John 5. Miss Jeannie, can you do me a favor and get that door for me, if you don't mind? Thank you so much. John chapter number 5, and we're learning about the witnesses uh, that Jesus has that testify of him. And uh, I said this last week, and I'll say it again. If Jesus was a lot like, and I'm not trying to pick on people, I'm just trying to get you to understand there's a contrast. When people say all religions are the same, they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, they haven't read the Bible. They don't understand what they're saying. And I don't mean that to be offensive. They're true, they're, there's a difference between being ignorant versus ignoring, all right? Ignorant is I don't know. Ignoring is it's right in front of me and I don't want to know it, all right? And I think a lot of people are just simply ignorant. They, they regurgitate what they read and hear online uh, and in all forms of media. Uh, but the truth is, if Jesus was a lot like the prophet Muhammad, uh, what you would have had is you would have had uh, a, an appearance that happened uh, primarily to one person. And that appearance of God or an angel to that one person, as in the case of Muhammad, uh, with the angel Gabriel and all that, uh, when, when that, that person gets that revelation, there's no other witnesses to it. You've got to believe what that one guy says. There, nobody else knows whether or not what the guy says is right or wrong. You've got to take his word for it. That's different than Jesus Christ, guys. All right, you've got 12 witnesses, the apostles, you've got Moses and Elijah, you've got the scriptures, you've got his works, you've got the Father's voice from heaven, it goes on and on and on. So the reason why we're looking at this, though, is because in John chapter 5, they challenge the person of Jesus Christ. Look at, uh, go, go back, just for the sake of context, look back at uh, verse number 18. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. And so they had a problem with that, and uh, their answer to that was stone him. Now look, if they had been right, if Jesus Christ was committing blasphemy, he should have been stoned, okay? If he wasn't who he's... That's why when people say, uh, I don't believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior, but I believe he was a good man. Uh, again, it's a statement of ignorance. You can't say that guy's a good man if he claims to be the only way to God, and he's not the only way to God. He would be a liar, Right? Uh, so the context is they don't like what he's saying. They're challenging his authority and his position uh, being equal with God. So that said, look down, if you would, at verse number uh, 32. Verse number 32. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. Now we're going to talk about John the Baptist a little bit this morning. Uh, but I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that you might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. I, if I were, from a practical standpoint, if I was taking notes this morning, I would either mentally or physically take note of that phrase, for a season. One of the biggest problems that people have is they'll do anything for a season. Uh, they won't do it long term. Right. And then they blame God for the results in the end. Yeah. Like, well, I went to church for a week, and you know, my life's still a mess. Oh, really? You think? You know, like that's that's kind of normal. That's how that works. You, anyone can do something for a season. The question is, are you willing to abide in that truth and in that light for the long haul? Uh, and I'll tell you, one of the greatest tests of that is when that truth 
or that, that, uh, 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 that word that comes from the Lord separates you from those that you love. Yeah. When, when that happens, when that happens, let me just say this right now, that is one of the ultimate tests of whether or not you're going to abide in truth. When God goes this way and friends go this way. When God goes this way and family goes this way. Anybody ever been there before? And it rips your heart out, and the whole time you're questioning yourself, going, am I crazy? Am I wrong? Have I gone too far? Am I a Jesus freak? Like, you go through all these things in your head, and really all you're trying to do is follow the Lord. And you need to understand when that, that thing happens, you need to go ahead and say, I'm not here just for a season. I'm here for the long haul. Now, that said, let's read verse 36. But I have greater witness than that of John. John's a great witness. We're going to talk about his witness at length this morning. Uh, but let me just say this. I think what the Lord Jesus is saying here is this. Uh, I appreciate the testimony of man, uh, but as great as the testimony of man is, it is not the same as the testimony of God. And God the Father gave witness to his son Jesus, and the way that he did it is explained right here. Now, you got the voice of God uh, speaking from heaven in the baptism and at the Mount of Transfiguration, and we'll look at that, but that is not even what Jesus is citing. Uh, you may remember that Peter cites the uh, the excellent, the excellent uh, majesty of his glory that we beheld when we heard his voice speak from heaven and all that stuff over there in Second Peter chapter 1. Peter references that experience on top of that mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration, and he references that great experience as being hearing the voice of God. And yet when Jesus talks about the witness of the Father, he's not even talking about the audible voice of God. He's talking about something else. Uh, look at verse number 36. But I have greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of what? Uh, you want to prove what you believe? You know, you, you know how you do it? Not by your words, by your actions. And I'm not, listen, I'm not, uh, I am in no way, shape, or form uh, trying to teach that you are justified by your works. You are justified by grace through faith, period, end of story, all right? in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But when it comes to your practical everyday life, when you're trying to point people to, to God and point people to Jesus Christ, it's not just going to be the things that you say. Uh, this is why you may hear me say this often. You fighting with strangers about politics or even about the Bible online does not make you a hero or a Bible warrior. It makes you sometimes a jerk for Jesus. Because what they need to see is they need to see the, the fruit of the Spirit in your life, love, joy, peace. That doesn't mean that there's no testifying. It just means that the words and the works should go hand in hand. All right? Uh, look, if you would, at uh, verse number 37. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice any time nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. Search the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures. That's a good thing to do. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Uh, where is Richie? Good to have you back from Vietnam, young man. Uh, you got to lead two people to the Lord while he was there. Yeah. Amen. It's a blessing. Jumped right into action last night downtown. And he was here on time for church. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I, something Maybe he got saved again. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm kid but would you open us up in a word of prayer, Brother Richard, please? Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, let me talk about uh, the witnesses that Jesus Christ is referencing here. 
Uh, and last week I got into this a little bit, talking about you know the witness of uh, the, the two witnesses uh, of Moses and Elijah. Uh, and I kind of want to pick up there again. I want to make sure that's real clear to you guys. Um, uh, look at Matthew chapter number seventeen one more time. Matthew seventeen. Matt, just a little bit of review. Matthew chapter seventeen. You'll read about this in the Gospel of Luke as well. Uh, but we're going to go to Matthew seventeen. And uh, talking about witnesses to the person of Jesus Christ. Now, remember that Moses is a picture of the law, and Elijah is, the, is a picture of the prophets. And you'll find over and over in the Gospels, Jesus Christ referencing the law and the prophets, the law and the prophets. Who remembers that? The law and the prophets. Why did you do that? Because that's the scripture that they had. And the scripture that they had it was, was something that would point them to the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, doesn't Paul say in Galatians that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ? All right, and the prophets testified of Jesus Christ as well. Mm. Matthew 17, look if you would at verse number 1. Matthew 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun. His raiment was white as the light. Now, the reason why we call this the Mount of Transfiguration is this. Uh, what you're seeing is Jesus Christ transfigured from his earthly appearance to his glorified appearance. Now, you may or may not remember, guys, remember in the garden uh, when Mary comes and she's going to look at the tomb of Jesus Christ? It wasn't until Jesus said Mary that she recognized who he was. So there was something different about his appearance, all right? And so basically what you're seeing in Matthew 17 is a, a, a picture of the glorified Savior after his, res after his burial, after his death, after his resurrection, and after the church, when he comes back dressed in what? In white raiment on a white horse, right? And so what you're seeing is a picture of, of Jesus Christ when he comes back. Question, let's think about this. In Zechariah, we read it before in Zechariah 14, I think it is, or 14, 12, 12, 14, somewhere in Zechariah. Uh, one of those references, if you get it, you let me know, but it's one of those references. In Zechariah, where it says, when he comes back, his feet touch down on the Mount of Olives and the mountain splits in two. Anybody remember that? So he's on top of a mountain, just like when he's going to come back. And so they're seeing Jesus Christ in all of his glory. All right, that said, look, if you would, at verse number three. And behold, there appeared unto them, what two people? Now, Elias is just the Greek uh, trans, uh, transliteration of the name Elijah from the Old Testament. But Moses and Elijah are there. And look what it says. They're talking with him. What do you think they're talking about? You guys ever read your Bible and started asking questions like that? Right, right. Like, what, what are they talking about? I, I'm wondering if maybe they're talking about, Lord, uh, you know, I, I know the Father has a timetable, but uh, we're ready if you are. <laughs> we're ready to come back if you are. You know, I'm, I'm wondering what kind of conversation they had there. But they're talking with him, and they're there to establish something. The law and the prophets, the law on one side, the prophets on the other. And who's in the middle of the two? Jesus Christ himself. Why? He's the fulfillment of both of them. And so there you have uh, Moses and Elijah showing up kind of curiously out of nowhere from the rest of the Gospels. Now, uh, look, if you would, at Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. And we talked about this last week. Uh, you, you cannot privately interpret the Bible. All right, there's an interpretation that's there, and if you just uh, are willing to go from Scripture to Scripture, you'll see it. And in Revelation chapter 11, uh, during the Great Tribulation, so again, what we're talking about is 
those three disciples, again, uh, the disciples were all Jewish. They're waiting for a Jewish kingdom, waiting for their Jewish Messiah to show up. I was talking with someone about this the other day. I can't remember. Uh, uh, Brother Matt Morales, I think that's who it was. We, we were at coffee and talking about the fact that if you everybody ever seen Fiddler on the Roof? Anybody ever seen that before? Remember at the end, it's one of the most, uh, to me, it like ripped my heart out. At the end where the, the oh, I forget the guy's name, forgive me. I'm about to call him Fievel Moskowitz. That's another cartoon, sorry. Uh, whatever the guy's name was, he's, he's there and he, he's talking to the guy and he says this, uh, until Mashiach comes. And I'm thinking to myself, man, that's, that just breaks my heart. He's already come. When the guy shows up that they're looking for, he's going to be the wrong guy. Uh, and so what, what you basically have is this. You've got Moses and Elijah showing up here at the Mount of Transfiguration before Jesus Christ goes to that mountain, Mount Calvary. And what they're doing is they are there to testify of his glory. Well, let me tell you this. This wasn't his glory. That was his suffering. His glory is still to come. His glory is over here. All right. He gets what's rightfully his when he comes back. Now, there's a good there's there's a good lesson in all that. And the lesson is this. If you want all of God's blessings, which I don't want to preach today's message already. But if you, all, if you want God's blessings. Uh, do it in God's timing. Because when you go ahead and get out of God's timing, let me tell you what, you can mess everything up. I'm thankful Jesus Christ didn't mess everything up or none of us would be here right now. We'd all be lost. We'd be in hell without Jesus Christ, without salvation. So anyways, he's going to come back. And when he comes back, what two witnesses are going to testify him? The same ones that showed up over here. All right. Moses and Elijah showed up to let you know we're not done yet. We're coming back. Now look at Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. And uh, look at verse number 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses. There it is, two witnesses. And they shall prophesy. Now the reason why I'm going through this, by the way, is because of what is said about John the Baptist, and we're going to look at that in a little bit in Matthew 11. Uh, and, and again, John is also a witness of Jesus Christ. The baptism that he brings was a, for a particular purpose. Uh, we're going to look at that as well. Look at Revelation 11, verse number uh, 3. And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing, standing, watch it, standing before the God of the whole earth. You know what they're doing when it, whenever uh, the disciples are looking up? They're standing next to Jesus Christ. Uh, over there in the Old Testament, uh, we, li- we ran the reference last week, uh, over in the Old Testament, uh, it mentions the fact that uh, they are the two witnesses that stand before the God of the whole earth. All right. Now, uh, look at uh, verse number five. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth. Well, who called fire down from heaven? That's Elijah. All right. And devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. That's what the prophets of Baal experienced. All right. Verse six. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Well, who did that? That's Elijah. Uh, matter of fact, keep your hand there. Go to James. James. We'll come right back to Revelation 11. But look at James. James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Look at verse number 17. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. He shut heaven. He shut heaven. Now, there's a practical lesson for you Christians. You know what the, 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 the lesson is? You want heaven to open up? and You, you want to shut heaven? You, want, you, you know how you do that? Through your prayer life. As uh, a matter of fact, look what the Lord says about him right here in verse number uh, 17. He was a, a man subject to like passions. In other words, he's just like you and me. All right. However, he prayed earnestly, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's what it says, that it might not rain, and it rained on the earth by the space of three years and six months. It's the same time 
as the great tribulation is mentioned, 40 and two months. And he prayed again, and the, the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Do you realize you can shut heaven and open heaven up by your prayer life? Uh, how's your prayer life this morning? I'm going to tell you, one of the hardest things you're going to face as an American Christian today is having to- making time. Making time to pray. Now, I'm not picking on you. I know how some Christians make it to church. They make it by the skin of their teeth. I'm glad you're here. I, ca- I don't care how you come. I'm glad you're here. Don't misunderstand me. This isn't about me. I'm really just saying I know where some of you are, are, are going through in the morning. It's running here, running there, throwing uh, food in the kid's mouth, uh, fur baby's mouth, the dog, whatever it might be. If you're, you know, if you're Gen Z and you got ba- fur babies, that's fine. That's fine. All right, doing all that stuff. And then you're rushing to church, throwing the Bible down, go, whoo, I made it. And, and let me just say this. You can still get something, but I'll tell you this. It'll be so much sweeter when you have fellowship with God in the morning before you get here. Because it's almost like the things that you talk to him about come to life. All right? Now, now go back to Revelation 11. Again, Elijah uh, shut heaven, and it rained not in the days of his prophecy, and he called fire down. Now, look at the other example that's given here. Look at verse number 6 at the end of the verse, or the latter half of the verse. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood. Well, who did that? Moses. Moses turned the water to blood. Uh, and boy, there's a, a real deep lesson in that that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, where I could get into all that this morning. Uh, but uh, look what it says here. And to smite the earth with all plagues. Who is that? That's Moses. Yeah. As often as they will, when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of that great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified, talking about Jerusalem. Now, the reason I mention all this is I want you to understand uh, they made an appearance back over here, and they're going to make an appearance again over here in the future. All right? They did that for the disciples. Why? Well, what the disciples are looking for and what got them there was the ministry of John the Baptist. Well, what did John the Baptist preach? Uh, look at John chapter number 1. John chapter 1. We're going to see a connection between John the Baptist and Elijah. Look at John chapter 1. There's no book like this book, guys. And when people say it's written by men, they don't know what they're saying. And I don't, again, not throwing stones. I'm just saying they just don't have a clue. Look at John chapter 1 and look, if you would, at verse number 29. The next day, here's the witness of John. John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which covers the sin of the world. Is that what it says? I sure am glad he doesn't just cover it. He takes it away. Uh, all of our efforts try to cover things. We'll get in that in the morning message. Uh, Jacob does that, but the Lord takes things away. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before. This is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. He was before me. Why? Because when Jesus is questioned, he says, Before Abraham was, John 8, I am. <laughs> Not I was, I am. All right? Uh, look at uh, verse number 32, uh, verse 31, excuse me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to who? That's the ministry of John the Baptist. His ministry is to make him manifest to Israel. Now look at the rest of that verse. You know what Christians do today? They, they look at the, the baptism of John the Baptist as the pattern for our New Testament baptism. That's not the pattern. Uh, you don't come and, and, and repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's not, what you, that's not the message you hear when you got saved. Uh, the message that John the Baptist is preaching is specifically to Israel about their Messiah for the kingdom that's coming. Look at verse number uh, 33. Verse, uh, verse, I'm sorry, verse 32. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but, he sh- but it, that he sent me to baptize with what? Water. All right. Well, look at Matthew chapter 3. 
this ministry is leading up to something, but it's not the same as yours. You need to get that. It's Old Testament. The law and the prophets are until John. Now, I know for some of you, you get tired of hearing some of this, you know, like, okay, the division stuff. But the reason why I do this, and you may not realize it, most heresy comes from people not paying attention to these things. And people teach all kinds of whacked out. You know, you can't teach Calvinism if you rightly divide the Bible. There's no way to do it. Uh, you, you can't teach that you go through the tribulation if you rightly divide the Bible. You can't teach that God's done with Israel if you rightly divide the Bible. You can't teach that you, you could lose your salvation if you rightly divide the Bible. Listen, it's not just a matter of Old Testament, New Testament. It's a matter of soul versus flesh. It's a matter of old man versus new man. These are divisions that are in your Bible. If you ignore them, you'll make a mess of all this stuff. And you'll come out doctrinally like the old preacher says, like a soup sandwich. All right, look at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3, and um, look at what uh, uh, John says here in verse number 11. I indeed baptize you with what? Unto what? That's not yours. That's not yours. I'm going to show you that in a little bit. That's not your baptism. All right. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the what? Yeah, and, and by the way, I want to point this out as well, because I, I know it's, it's been referenced before, I'm going to say it again, uh, grammar matters. All right, by the way, I, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, you got to be real careful when you use online Bible programs. Uh, I looked up a verse, and it wasn't coming up. You know why it wasn't coming up? Let me show you something right here. Remember in Romans 11, where it says that uh, as far as Israel is concerned, that they are uh, uh, enemies for the gospel's sake, but they're beloved for the Father's sake. Anybody remember that? All right. Well, do you know what it says in your Bible? Fathers. The apostrophe comes after the S. That means it's plural possessive. That means Abraham's sake, Isaac's sake, Jacob's sake. For the Father's sakes. All right. Do you know how it was showing up in my Bible program? Oh, boy. You can make that say a lot of stuff. You say, why? Because now that's singular possessive. And that could be taken as a reference to God the Father. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the fathers. That's why when people try to mess with Israel and get rid of them from the Bible and say God's done with them and the church replaces Israel, you know what they do? Squirrely stuff like that. All right? Uh, now, all that said, what I'm trying to get you to understand is this. The, the baptism that John is bringing is one that is of water. It's a physical baptism. And it's a physical baptism for a physical nation waiting for a physical kingdom looking for their physical Messiah. Is this making sense yet? Now, now notice what he says, though. The one that's coming is going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. And again, <laughs> I want to point this out. You have Holy Ghost, comma, and with fire. All right, guess what? If I take this comma out, guess what? These two things are synonymous. The Holy Ghost ain't fire. The fire there is not the Holy Spirit. All right, it's Holy Ghost, comma, and let me bring a second element that is not this. You say, what is it? Well, look at, look at Scripture, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Look at verse number, um, let's see here, uh, 12. Whose fan is in his hand, he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat in the garner, but he will burn up the, the chaff with unquenchable what? Uh, that's not a good thing, guys. You know what that is? That's hell. All right, so you know what he's saying here? You've got a chance to be baptized. You get, you get one or two baptisms. You pick, all right? If you're lost without Jesus Christ, you can get baptized by the Holy Spirit. You must be born again. You guys saved this morning? Yeah. You've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, all right? And if you reject that, guess what? This is what it's waiting for you. 
You either be immersed with God or you be immersed with judgment, and that's your choice. All right? So the idea, though, is this. John the Baptist is pointing uh, 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 others to the Messiah, and he's specifically doing that for the manifestation of the Messiah to the nation of Israel. Uh, Again, what is the message? Well, look at Matthew chapter 3 and look at verse number 1 and 2. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right, now, now, that's not your kingdom. I don't want to teach all that again, but that's a different kingdom. All right, so they're getting ready for the kingdom to show up. That's why in Acts chapter 1, before Jesus floats back up in outer space, they're asking, when's the kingdom going to come? They're waiting for that physical kingdom. I'm pointing all this out for a couple of reasons, all right? I need you to understand there are people who love God, are good people, they're soul winners, they believe the Bible, but they believe this. They believe that John the Baptist was the first uh, uh, pastor of the first Baptist church in Jerusalem, and New Heights Baptist Church is here as a result of John the Baptist's ministry. Guys, that, that's, not why, that's not why our church is here. My, our ministry is not connected with John the Baptist. Our ministry is connected with the one that came after him. All right? I'm thankful for his testimony. I'm thankful for his character. Most men today, self-included, don't measure up to that man. I'm not taking away from his character, but you don't want to infuse things in the Bible to make your church look it has, like it has a preeminent position that it does not have, all right? Uh, and so this is John the Baptist is an Old Testament prophet pointing people to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, why is that important? Uh, look at Acts chapter number 18. Go to Acts chapter number 18. And by the way, Christian, you're supposed to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, we're looking at John the Baptist. We know the apostles were ordained to be a witness of him. Uh, but look at John chapter, or, sorry, Acts chapter 18. Forgive me, Acts 18. Uh, brethren, if you go to the next slide for me, if you would. Uh, Acts chapter number 18. And look, if you would, at verse number uh, 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria. That's an interesting point. We'll come back to that some other time. Uh, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. Now, the guy can speak and he knows the scriptures. All right, that's good. But what scriptures does that man have? He has Old Testament scriptures. All right, so, so look at verse 25. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord he did the best he could with what he had, but what did he know? Knowing only the baptism of what? John. Well, guess what? That's not enough. That's not where we're at after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So look at verse number 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more what? Perfectly. Perfectly. So in other words, what they did is they said, hey, look, we appreciate what you're doing, but you don't understand, we've kind of gone beyond that by this point. John the Baptist, his, his revelation was not the final revelation for New Testament Christians. His revelation was to make a way for Jesus Christ and to point people to him for that kingdom to come. Now, obviously we understand, what did the Jews do? Well, they didn't receive their Messiah. So they didn't receive their Messiah, so guess what that means? The kingdom that they were waiting for, that kingdom of heaven, guess what? It went up, and it's not coming back down until he comes back down. All right, so, so in so many words, what you've got is you've got John the Baptist pointing people to Jesus Christ. You've got Moses and Elijah pointing the disciples to Jesus Christ. What are they doing? They're making testimony 
of the fact that his kingdom is coming. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the kingdom of heaven. Now, what's interesting about all this, uh, look if you would at mm, Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. What's interesting about all this is the fact uh, that the Lord says something I think kind of curious about John the Baptist. And it makes a connection between John the Baptist and another Old Testament prophet. Look at Matthew chapter 11. So that baptism that he was giving was, hey, get ready for your Messiah, get ready for your Messiah, get ready for your Messiah. Oh, here he is. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Well, uh, three and a half years later, you know what they do? They shout, crucify him, we have no king but Caesar. So the Lord says, okay, well, we're going to postpone that kingdom coming. But nobody really understands that yet. They're still looking for that in the early part of the book of Acts. This is why I wrote the word transition right here and right here. Uh, because you know what the Lord does? He reveals things progressively. God, the, the, the day you got saved, I'm going to, let me pick on someone in the room. Uh, yeah. The day you got saved, did God say, I want to have you get saved? I want to have you uh, go to Bible school. I'm going to have you join a church in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, no, the Lord doesn't do that to us. The Lord says, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And, and then from there, it's like, all right, what do I do from now? Open your Bible. What else? Go to church. What else? Learn the grace of giving. What else? Get baptized. What else? Be a testimony for Jesus Christ. And then 20 years down the road, you're a missionary somewhere, and God's done all kinds of miraculous things in your life, and you look back and go, I can't believe what God's done. If God told you everything at the beginning, you couldn't handle it. And so the Lord, just like he does with you personally, he reveals doctrinal matters the same way. Look, the reality is this. Uh, this guy right here, uh, as we referenced before, this guy right here, uh, said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Well, let me ask you, that guy get baptized? No. That guy uh, join a church? No. That guy do any great work? No. What did he do? He believed that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. That's right. All right. And that man was taken to paradise that day. So my, my point is this. The moment that Jesus Christ died, nobody understood it, but you were in the New Testament. But what the Lord does is he reveals those things progressively so that people can kind of catch up. Listen. For the better part of 1,500 years, it's all the law, and it's all about one nation. And all of a sudden, right here, you know what God does? He splits everything and goes, okay, going forward, the Gentiles can come in. Anybody can get saved. You don't have to be a Jew. You can get saved without works. I mean, the whole thing is different. So what the Lord does, he progressively reveals that. So on this side of the cross, you've got a, a progression of revelation, which is pointing people to the Messiah on this side of the cross, it's a progressive revelation for them to understand. It's no longer the law. It's no longer just Israel. It's simply placing your faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing. The problem was not everybody understood that. All right? And, and so the Lord reveals it. Of course, the Apostle Paul, you understand that. But uh, look at Acts chapter 2. We're going to come back to Matthew 11. I'm sorry, guys. I'm kind of going somewhere else. We'll come back to Matthew 11 in a moment. Uh, look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Anyone that's been in our church for a while knows that... Uh, you get redirected here quite a bit, all right? Look at Acts chapter 2, and uh, look, if you would, at verse number, this is the day of Pentecost, and people get this whole thing really messed up as well. Uh, they kind of get confused about the speaking in tongues part. Uh, look at verse number 11. It's pretty clear. It's not a, a gibberish or a... a uh, an angelic language, it's earthly languages, it's people hearing the message in their own language when the speakers themselves don't even know those languages. That's the miracle. Does that make sense? All right, well, that's tongues there. Now, look at uh, 
verse number oh, 30. And just skim it. Just skim it. Look at verse 31. Look at verse 32. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are what? Witnesses. All right. Uh, he mentions the fact that Jesus Christ uh, is uh, at the right hand of God in verse 33. That makes him God. Uh, he quotes David, talking about how David's son, Jesus Christ, who's called the son of David during his ministry, uh, that uh, he is the fulfillment of the prophecy there, that he's the king. Uh, look at verse 36. Who is he talking to? The house of who? How many Christians read that anymore? How many Christians notice that? They're not. So when they read Acts 2, they insert themselves into it. And, and, and this is why people teach something. I'm going to give you a big word, all right? And uh, I'm going to break it down for you. But people teach this thing called baptismal regeneration. All right? You say, what does that mean? Well, uh, Genesis, who I guess dad calls her Jenny sometimes. Is that right? Jen, Jen, okay. All right, so what's in there? Gene, Genesis, the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of life. To generate means to give life. To regenerate means to give life again. So the Bible says you must be born again. The Holy Spirit regenerates you. Water does not regenerate you. Okay? All right, so there are people that teach that when you get baptized, all right, that's when you get the Spirit of God. That's when you get saved. And you know what they do? They quote Acts 2.38 to teach it. Now look at Acts chapter 2 and look, if you would, at verse number uh, 37. Now when they heard this, who's they? The house of Israel. <laughs> They're all gathered there at the Feast of Pentecost. There's not a New Testament Christian there. You can make the argument that Peter, James, and John, the apostles are, but man, they haven't received the Holy Spirit yet either. Uh, look, at, uh, look at verse number uh, 30, uh, from a corporate standpoint, anyways, look at verse 37. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then look what he says in verse 38. Repent. Repent from what? I'll tell you what they're repenting of. Killing their Messiah. When you get saved, that's not what you're... You're not repenting that. You're repenting of your own self-righteousness. You're repenting of anything else that you're trusting. You are changing your mind about what it takes to be saved. You're saying, I'm no longer uh, uh, counting on my righteousness. Someone that says repentance means you quit every sin, I'm sorry, guys, that's silly. That's foolishness. Okay, if, if, if you got saved by confessing all your sins, who's the hot shot in the room that thinks you can remember every sin you've ever committed? Who wants to be the fool that raises their hand right now? You know what I'm telling you? I'm telling you, none of us can do that. All right, none of us remember. Our, he is, I'm just thankful that he... Re, when he remembered all of them, he was willing to forget all of them. Amen? I, I couldn't remember all of them, and, 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 and thankfully, that's how I got saved. I got saved from going, I'm trusting the church, baptism, self. I'm trusting anything else but the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'm turning from that, and I'm turning the cross of Calvary for my salvation. Amen. That's it. All right? Now, when Peter says this, he's telling them to repent, to change their mind about what? Having killed their Messiah. All right, uh, and, and be baptized, watch this, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Look, I got the Holy Spirit the moment I got saved before I ever got in water. All right, and, and when someone tries to make this your salvation and your baptism for today, they're not being honest. All right, you know what's basically going on? John got them ready for the Messiah, and Peter said, repent, you killed them, let's go back to the cross. 
So basically what happened is they, they, on both sides of the cross, during this time of transition, the Lord is trying to deal with his nation Israel and he's patient and he's forgiving and he's merciful and he's long-suffering and he gives them John on this side and Peter on that side. I go, guys, you blew it. <laughs> Can you imagine if there were any people that got baptized here that showed up that day here? I bet you their mind went back and said, he tried to tell us, he tried to tell us, he tried to tell us and we ignored the Messiah. And they repented, and they received uh, 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 Jesus there as the nation, Israel did, and they got baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, that's a different baptism than yours. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And listen, John's baptism was to prepare Israel for the kingdom. Peter's baptism was to get Israel to repent, not you, Israel. All right? Spiritual baptism... Right, that's when you got saved, is God's witness to you. <laughs> now, listen, uh, Jesus Christ says in John 14, 15, 16, he talks about the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and that he would, he would testify of things, and he would bear witness. The Bible says in Romans 8, Paul says, the Spirit of God beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So when you get saved, you know what God does? He gives you a, a, a reminder. He gives you a testimony or a witness of himself to you. In what, in what shape? Well, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's when you got to say, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And by the way, this is kind of reiterated earlier in Romans chapter 12 as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, look, if you would, at uh, verse number 12. For as the body is one, the body of Christ, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one, so also is Christ. For by one, not water, not water. Now, I believe you ought to be baptized, but for a different reason uh, than, than for getting saved, all right? Uh, by one church, is that what it says? By one what? Spirit. Spirit. We are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles. In other words, this baptism does not pertain to a nation, but rather the body of Christ. That's you if you're saved. And when you got saved, what happened is God placed uh, Christ in you and the Holy Spirit in you, and he placed you in the Spirit and you in Christ. That's called, uh, that, that basically is the definition of baptism. Uh, the word baptism basically means this. It means to be immersed in something. So when you get saved, that's why it says in Colossians, your life is hid in Christ with God. <laughs> You are, you are in him, and he is in you. From God's perspective, he can't tell where Jesus starts and you begin. It's all one. From the eternal perspective, not from your, your daily walk. That's a different story. All right, but listen, when you got saved, you were immersed in the Spirit of God, not in water, all right? And there's a difference, all right? Spiritual baptism, that's your salvation, is God's witness to you with the Spirit of God living inside of you. Now, uh, believer's baptism I'm not going to look at all the references right now. That's you as a Christian today saying, I want to be a public testimony for Jesus Christ. I want the world to know I'm saved. I want my church family to know not only am I saved, but I want to be, connect- I want to be associated with following Jesus Christ. Uh, that's why in Romans 6 it talks about walking in newness of life, and there's a connection to the idea of baptism, all right? Now, why am I going through all this? These are all things that are witnesses to us and witnesses to the world and witnesses to Israel. And what are they all witnesses about? They're all witnesses about Jesus Christ, all right? And so John the Baptist, go to Matthew chapter 11, uh, was an Old Testament prophet that bore witness 
of Jesus Christ being the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Messiah of Israel. I think one of the most beautiful sounds in the world is flipping of pages in, the, in, in church. I love it. I love it. I think that sound is way better than... Yeah, I just do. Matthew chapter... Call me old-fashioned, I guess. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11. Look, if you would, at uh, verse number 7. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? I like it. It's kind of like when someone comes to church and they go, I can't believe that guy said that from the pulpit. <laughs> I can't believe he's so offensive. Well, what were you, what were you expecting? I, I mean, you got, you, got, you got Twitter, or X, I'm sorry. You got Instagram. You got Facebook. You got, yeah, uh, you've got uh, uh, Be Real, and you've got all the platforms. You got basically anything that you want to tell you, anything that you want. So if you got that everywhere else, don't you think it's good to have at least one place in your life where you get to hear what you need to hear? So they go to listen to John the Baptist, and they're like, oh, man, that guy's kind of wild. I'm not sure about that. And he's like, what would you expect? <laughs> Look at verse 8. But what went you out for to see a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went you out for to see a prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there are not risen a greater than John the Baptist, Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven uh, suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Verse 12 is really simply saying this. Um, the only way to enforce a physical, literal, governmental kingdom on the earth is through armed warfare. Now you may go, well, that doesn't sound like our kingdom. You're 100% right. Keep your hand there and look at John chapter 18. We're going to come back to Matthew 11 in a moment. Look at John 18. You know what uh, Peter does? He pulls out a sword. And you know what God tells him? You know what the Lord tells him to do? Put it up. You say, why? Well, the natural inclination is to whip out the sword and start chopping people's heads off. Because uh, we're going to enforce God's kingdom. Look, you're, the, the kingdom that we're a part of right now is a spiritual kingdom. And the Holy Spirit doesn't force anything. He's gentle. He's gentle. He leads and he guides. And he presents what truth is. And then it's up to you to follow that leadership. Uh, but it's not, it's not by force. That's why when you look over the dark ages and some liberal professor goes, you Christians were killing people? No, uh-uh, stop that right there. Right. You mean the Catholic Church was killing people? in the dark ages, and, and uh, I don't say that if you're a Catholic, that yeah, I don't think you're here to kill anyone, that's not the point, but back in the dark ages, you know what they were teaching? They were teaching that uh, it's our job to bring in the, and they still believe that, they still believe that, they just hide a little bit, a lot better, uh, it's our job to bring in the kingdom, our job is not to bring in a literal physical kingdom, guys, our job is to usher people in the kingdom of God, which is a spiritual kingdom that they enter by a spiritual birth by getting born again, now look at John chapter 18, and look if you would, John chapter 18, and look at, this is Jesus Christ in front of Pontius Pilate. Look at uh, verse 33. Then Pilate entered in the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said to him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Yeah, I like this. <laughs> the, the, Lord, uh, the Lord didn't just say, yep, I'm him. He responds to the question. You know how often Jesus Christ talks to people in questions? You learn a lot that way. 
And most people, now if you're, if you guys, any of you that try to go out and witness to people, don't talk as much, ask questions more. Uh, people will say enough to give you the, the information you need to help them through the scriptures, all right? Uh, look at verse number uh, 33. And Pilate entered the judgment hall again and called and said to him, I thought the king of the Jews, Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation, <laughs> question again, <laughs> and thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me, what hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. That's why I told Peter to put up the sword. That I should not be delivered to the Jews. Now, this is really important. You know, one, one word can change the entire Bible. I want to prove it to you. Let me read the rest of the verse. But my kingdom is not from hence. Is that what it says? What's missing? Now, now. You say, why now? Because he doesn't bring that kingdom down till over here. All right? Right now, you are in the kingdom of God, a spiritual kingdom. They didn't understand that. Uh, and so the Lord is bringing some clarity. Now, look back at Matthew 11 real quickly. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And uh, look, if you would, at... Verse number, oh, let's see here, verse number 14. Now, we're talking about John the Baptist. So look at what it says here, verse 14. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come. Now, look at that. He just got done talking about John the Baptist, and notice what he says. If you'll receive it, receive what? <laughs> What's he talking about? Look, look back at verse number 11. Look at the end of the verse. What they had to receive? The kingdom. But guess what they had to receive in order to receive the kingdom? The message that came by the messenger. You know what the message was of the messenger? Repent and get ready. This is your king. And they didn't receive him. Now, you know what he's saying? If they had done that, again, look at verse 14, John the Baptist would have been Elijah for that generation. But they didn't do it. So, you know, he said, well, we'll postpone that for a couple thousand years. I'll have Moses and Elijah show back up again. Now, if you think that's weird, that's not the only time people show up again. Judas shows up again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. If you don't, then we'll do that another time. That's a lot of, a lot of Bible to go through right now. Uh, but the idea is this. Uh, John calls him the Lamb of God. Why does he do that? Because he's not just a king. He's a suffering servant. And I want to I close with uh, uh, two thoughts. Go back to uh, John chapter 5. Thought number one is this. Uh, there's no crown without a cross. All right? You, everyone wants a crown. Now, let me just say this. You getting saved does not mean you have rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. That means you're saved. You're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. You being saved and allowing the Spirit of God to lead your life. You being saved and taking the opportunities that God gives you to be a testimony for Jesus Christ, to serve Him, to shut your mouth when you want to talk and to open your mouth when you want to be quiet. That's the problem we have, guys. Someone's talking bad about us. Ah, i got to set the record straight. Blah, 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 blah. And sometimes God just says, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Well, I'm going to set them straight. Blah, blah, blah. And then, then you're out in public, and the Lord's like, talk about me, talk about me, talk about me. You're like, mm. Is that not the problem that we have? All right, so, so listen, you want some rewards when you get there? Learn to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Don't do it in your own power. Don't do it on your own. 
You as a child of God, you doing your thing and doing, following your flesh, you'll get no rewards. What Jesus Christ does, he suffers first and then he comes back as a king. Listen, are you not a Christian, a follower of Christ? Then the example is suffer now, rewards later. Not rewards now. You get your rewards now, you don't get them over there, all right? Uh, look back at John chapter 5, John chapter 5. And after all of this, after everything that we just looked at, I want to kind of close with this thought. Uh, the greater witness is not the witness of man. It's not John the Baptist. It's not Moses and Elijah. And it's not even us. You know, the greater witnesses that Jesus, said, that Jesus talks about, look at John 5 and look at verse 36. But I have greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. We're going to talk about the miracles and the signs and the works that Jesus Christ does to prove uh, his position as the Messiah, as the Son of God, and we'll look at that next week. Let's go ahead and take a break there. Anybody learn anything? Yeah. All right, let's all stand. We'll have a word of prayer, take a break, and uh, we'll uh, get going here. It's 1053.